Nel mezzo del camin di nostra vita, mi ritrovai per una selva oscura, che la dritta via era smarita. These three lines begin the Divine Comedy, written by Dante Alighieri in 1320, and they translate to, Midway upon the journey of our life, I found myself in a dark wood, for the straight way was lost. Compelled by these words, 10th grade me felt the need to immediately apply the wondrous idea of medieval scent to our world today. Unsurprisingly, I struggled with how this should play out in my own life. Is it right for a 700-year-old man to instruct me on what my mindset should look like today? Do his and any other medieval authors, theology and ideas still hold value in the present time in comparison to our modern minds? As any other person would, I chose two years later to wrestle with these issues through the research and study of ascent. According to the Oxford English Dictionary, the definition of ascension is the act of rising to an important position or a higher level. Although this is partly what the medievals mean, ascension is far more meaningful than a physical act. In the Divine Comedy, one sees Dante descend to hell, then ascend through purgatory in heaven. In the third book, Paradise, Dante ascends to the spheres of heaven in order to reach unity with God. Interpreting the narr narration literally, Dante's physical action is his journey farther and farther upwards. However, the poem is written so that the reader can search for its allegorical meaning, and in order to do this, one must recognize Dante's character and how it develops throughout his pilgrimage. Dante rejects the pleasures of the earth and studies virtue, even being examined on faith, hope, and love in the last sphere of heaven. Through these spiritual acts of turning towards God, Dante is able to ascend higher, eventually reaching unity when his love is aligned with God's love. Just as his spiritual change allows him to ascend, so we as Christians must revise our minds in order to ascend mentally and spiritually towards God. It is difficult to pinpoint when the conversation surrounding ascent begins within the history of philosophy, since the topic was first discussed among philosophers. I have attempted to gain a more thorough knowledge on the history of ascent by reading two sources, The Purification of Love by Travis Patton and Allegory and Ascent in Neoplatonism by Peter T. Strepp. According to both sources, the first participant in this conversation is Plato. Plato lived during the 4th century BC and is now known as a classical Greek philosopher. Plato thought that there existed a higher realm of reality in which the form dwelled. One could not attain this reality through our senses or our desires and impulses, so one ought to refrain from indulging in worldly pleasures. Ascent then must follow, for, quote, it is an ascent to the realm of the ideas achieved by liberating the soul from its attachment to physical things through the re-education of its faculty of love, end quote. Transitioning from Plato, the next philosopher, Plotinus, lived during the 3rd century AD in Egypt and created Neoplatonism, using Plato's philosophy as a foundation and developing it even further. Strzok writes that the Neoplatonists, quote, will embrace Plato's metaphysics of fallenness, but then shift their emphasis from the distance that separates us and the higher truths to the notion that the world here and now is somehow connected to a higher order. They continue and deepen a sense that allegorical ways of conveying meaning are not only capable of, but particularly appropriate to discussing the divine, end quote. Plotinus and the Neoplatonists agree with Plato's idea of another realm. However, they attribute the realm to a transcendent divine. He splits the divine into three parts, the one, or the first cause, intellect, influenced by Plato's realm of ideas, and the soul, which relates matter to intellect. Everything flows from the one, including the souls and intellect. Plotinus believed that our souls are also divine, but are held down by the material world. Patton explains that, quote, Plotinus describes the ascent as a, as a return of the individual to the one from whence it came, end quote. Transitioning to the medieval time period, which ranged from the 5th to 15th century AD, the influence of ascent could be seen in many Christian philosophers. During the 6th century AD, it looked as if Neoplatonism was coming to an end when Emperor Justinian closed the academy at Athens. However, this is when Pseudo-Dionysius, a Greek theologian, emerged. 
His writings, quote, expound aspects of Christian belief in a Neoplatonic framework, end quote. It is interesting to note that Platonists had seen Christians as agreeable over many ideas, including, quote, the doctrine of a maker of the universe, of a provident God, of the existence of an intelligible and divine world of which the sensible world is only an image, of the spirituality of the soul and its superiority over the body, end quote. For Pseudo-Dionysius, quote, God is love, and because of love, he goes out of himself in ecstasy and creates the universe. The ascent is possible because by its very nature, the universe and all living things desire to return to God, end quote. While living during the time of Pseudo-Dionysius, Boethius was a prominent political figure and philosopher. During his unjust imprisonment by political enemies, Boethius wrote one of his most famous works, The Consolation of Philosophy, in which he converses with a female personification of philosophy named Lady Philosophy. The book upholds Boethius's idea of ascent as rejecting material goods and desires in order to obtain the highest good, happiness in God. The book became one of the most influential sources on Dante's paradise, as I will prove later. Finally, in the early 14th century, Dante wrote the Divine Comedy, partially as an instruction to ascend as Dante does, from hell to purgatory and then to heaven. In this work, Dante agreed with the previous philosophers that in order to ascend, one must turn away from the desires of the world and cultivate the virtues. At the end of the book, Dante the character participates in the beatific vision in heaven, portraying the goal of unity with God. Although I have mentioned many philosophers and theologians, this is not the complete history. There are numerous, numerous scholars who have participated in this conversation of a sin, but I believe the people that I have acknowledged are most vital to my paper. Thus, over the centuries mentioned, Ascent evolved from a tool utilized by pagans to achieve harmony with their concept of the divine to a medieval Christian practice of achieving unity with God. The issue of Ascent is urgent because it pertains to our spiritual relationship with God and our way of life. Currently, it matters because God calls us to walk in his path, and I believe Ascension is one of the most valuable ways to do so. It aligns with Christian morals, and it has become prominent in my own life for the better, and might to others who feel conviction and recognize that they should change their ways in respect to Ascent. Our common goal is unity with God, which is also the goal of a sin. Hence, I argue that Boethius's constellation of philosophy prominently influenced Dante's articulation of a sin in his book Paradise. Furthermore, as Christians, we ought to observe Dante's spiritual ascension and strive to ascend too. I will prove that Dante was indeed influenced by Boethius and that Dante's ascent reflects our own Christian pilgrimage. I have done extensive research over the influence of Boethius on Dante's poem Paradise. However, for the sake of brevity, I will only be exploring one point I made in my expanded research paper. It is apparent that Dante used Boethius's consolation of philosophy as a main influence, because in Canto 10, Dante converses with Thomas Aquinas, who introduces him to Boethius. Furthermore, Boethius's lady philosophy and Dante's Beatrice, Beatrice both encourage their d- disciples to ascend and then look back onto the earth. In Consolation of Philosophy, Lady Philosophy explains the promises which Boethius will obtain if he chooses to, ex- to ascend. She says, quote, If you choose to seek again the lightless earth which you have left, dictators whom the people fear will outcast seem of home bereft, end quote. Lady Philosophy informs Boethius that he should reflect back on the earth and recognize its in- insignificance, for even though it is his worldly home, it will not be his eternal home. All earthly affairs that we view as important are insignificant when we view them with a heavenly perspective. In Paradise, Beatrice tells Dante in the sphere of Saturn to, quote, gaze down and see how much of the world below you have already set beneath your feet, end quote. Dante follows her instruction and, quote, looked on all the space that spanned the seven spheres and saw this globe so small, end quote. Just as Boethius sees the insignificance of earth, Dante recognizes the irrelevance of the world after ascending so high. Without the aid of Lady Philosophy and Beatrice, Dante and Boethius would never have ascended. Thus, we see how indebted to Boethius Dante's paradise is.
Dante's ascension is a truthful picture of what our pilgrimage should look like as Christians. In Galatians 5, 16 through 17, Paul writes that Christians ought to, quote, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do, end quote. Dante realizes he has followed the passions of the flesh, and to remedy this, he confesses his sins, and Beatrice responds, saying, quote, Still, so that for your having gone astray, you bear shame now, and be the braver when you hear the siren's call some other day, end quote. Beatrice points out that Dante has wandered from the right path and entertained the desires of the flesh. However, because he has confessed and repented, his desires are aligned with what Paul calls the desires of the spirit, that is, to be with God. We should follow Dante's example and undertake the journey of mental sin in order to reject worldly pleasures and align our will with God's will. Further, in order to pass the examination performed by St. Peter, St. James, and St. John, Dante has to embody the three theological virtues, faith, hope, and love. This aligns with the Bible, for in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, Paul writes, quote, So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love, end quote. Similarly, as mentioned previously, Dante is examined on these virtues, for Beatrice tell, tells St. Peter that, quote, If he loves well and hopes well and believes, his knowledge can't be hid from you, for you maintain your watch where everything is painted truly, end quote. Dante must know and exemplify the virtues in order to ascend, just as we are called to illustrate these virtues as Christians. At the end of Dante's journey, he obtains unity with God. In Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, Paul writes that, quote, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, end quote. In the last canto of paradise, Dante beholds the beatific vision, looking upon the creation, the trinity, and the incarnation of Christ. He is united with God and says, quote, Thus was I bolder, this call to mind, to bear the mighty radiance that bloomed, till my might and omnipotence were joined, end quote. And, quote, I saw the scattered elements unite, bound all with love into one book of praise in the deep ocean of the infinite, end quote. The pieces that Dante has worked so hard for are finally coming together, and he is able to gaze upon God's glory, or, quote, the fullness of Christ. This is our ultimate end as Christians, to reach heaven and have the ability to be in the pure presence of God's glory. Dante achieved this final end by abandoning his worldly pleasures and taking up the virtues in order to reach God. He greatly emphasizes contemplation of the divine, and we do such in reading the Bible or even in reading Dante. We as Christians are called to strive for unity with God through ascension. Given the variety of ways that the concept of ascent has been articulated from its earliest pagan origins to Dante's poem from the medieval ages, it is unfair to say that there is only one correct way to ascend. However, there are three clear, unarguable themes within medieval ascent that can be seen throughout my paper. We, as Christians, are called to cast off worldly cares, cultivate the virtues, particularly the theological virtues of faith, hope, and love, and contemplate the divine. But how does this take shape in our lives? I cannot label what casting off worldly cares physically or mentally looks like because each person struggles with their own temptations. It might not be apparent at first, but buying those new pairs of, pair of shoes you do not actually need, or gossiping behind someone's back, or choosing to go on social media instead of doing schoolwork are all temptations. For Dante, it was lust and pride. For Boethius, it was greed and grief. I encourage you to reflect as Boethius and Dante did. Ask yourself, what in my life am I prioritizing? If it is not virtuous, but rather tends towards vice, consider following Dante's example in shedding these desires. This might look like being mindful of spending, holding your tongue, revising your thoughts, or setting screen time limits, but it is different for each person. 
Be cautious, for James 1, 15-16 says, Desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. It might look harmless at first, but impulses could soon turn to sin. In rejecting these worldly cares, one must also cultivate virtue. The most vital virtues are the theological ones, faith, hope, and love, as we see prioritized in the Bible and Dante. To work towards the theological virtues, we can embody and embrace the carnal virtues, temperance, prudence, courage, and justice. These will aid in resisting temptations because prudence is necessary to make proper decisions and recognize reality. Temperance is necessary for self-control. Courage is necessary to take large steps leading to major changes, and justice is necessary to give each their due. Working alongside a cultivation of virtue, contemplation of the divine will aid you in your journey of ascent. This also looks different according to each person, but there are a few suggestions that I have been presented that have been presented. Dante's Divine Comedy was written as an instructional guide for those wishing to follow Dante's pilgrimage. By reading the text alone, one is undergoing mental ascension because of the different levels of interpretation one must use to study it. One of the more obvious choices is the Bible. We are instructed to read the Bible and digest God's word, which is the traditional way to ponder the divine. Another way to observe ascent is simply through prayer, likely after reading the Bible. Contemplating these things, I argue that Boethius's Constellation of Philosophy prominently influenced Dante's articulation of ascent in his book Paradise. And to answer my questions, yes, a 700-year-old man should be able to influence our mindsets, and yes, his theology still applies to us today. Thus, as Christians, we ought to observe Dante's spiritual ascension and strive to ascend too. And in order to ascend, we are called to cast off worldly cares, cultivate the virtues, and contemplate the divine.